Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, the show where we talk about all things related to money. And um, Dominic completely hogged and dominated our last episode, barely let poor little me get a word in edgewise. By the way, I'm Ron Carruthers. Good morning, Dan. Um, I run a tax and financial office. Dominic Cummins, a Real Biz Advisors, is more of the make more on the side of the things because he does sales and leadership training. And so that's how we ended up with the make more keep more concept and you can find all our back episodes on make more keep more show.com but anyway dominic completely hogged the last episode barely let poor me get a word in edgewise and so i intend to fix that this week i don't want dominic to fire me from the show for not holding my weight so before we get into kind of a tax and financial outlook for 2023 and I want to chat today about some interesting ideas because a lot of people are losing their jobs, particularly in the tech sector. Um, They can say whatever semantics they want to use or not use, we're definitely in a recession. And um, so talk about some money strategy ideas and some things to think about and um, tax change on the horizon. And actually, I have a student loan update. Of, uh, that I just got from a new member of the team we hired to help parents with student loan counseling before they even go to college. So I'll give you guys that. So before we dive into that, Dominic, anything on your mind we should chat about first? Well, I do appreciate the spend because so you folks know I had to have a conversation a heart to heart with Ron last night that when we started this podcast, my role was to not have to say anything on the podcast. And I feel like I've been let down the last few weeks with his <laughs> Inability to contribute. No, I'm just teasing. No, I'm excited to excited to switch gears. For any of you guys that have seen Penn and Teller, your job is to be like Teller. Yep. They're the magic duo where Penn's the big guy who never shuts up and Teller's the little guy who never says anything until the show's over. And then and then if you meet him after the show, because they're very gracious, they think he won't shut up. But anyway, um, yeah, so let's let's dive into a couple things that are really interesting. First of all, we're starting to get down to Supreme Court decisions. And one of those big things that's going to be coming up is the student loan decision. And so basically, for those of you guys who do or don't know this, there was some student loan, you know, the Biden administration prior to the election went and um and by the way this is going to be a prediction show also because i'm going to give you some predictions on this and we'll see if i'm right or not so first of all Biden administration if you guys aren't familiar was going to give a 10 or twenty thousand dollar one-time kind of payback to anybody who had student loans and basically everybody got ten thousand if you got certain types of grants you would get twenty thousand and my opinion at the time still is was it was a shameless ploy to get votes before an election and that the Supreme Court's going to kick it to the side. So an insider um, told me that all the student loans, guys, if it goes through, they're going to immediately, like the loan forgiveness will be almost immediate because they want to get it done before any other lawsuits come through. However, that leads to, we've got another election coming up in a year and a half. And um, so if it doesn't go through, my prediction is there will likely be another pause till the end of the year, and then likely another pause until magically just after the election. However, they're also turning around and looking at raising the income-driven repayment rules. Also, if it doesn't go through, right now you get a credit for 150% of the poverty line that will go up to 225 and they're actually talking about making it 400 percent. so what does that mean in english if you're a parent or student that has a ton of loans i would wait until we finally get some more definition on this of even trying to do the right thing and pay it off what i would say is just stack your cash elsewhere especially going into or any recession there's reasons for cash but um 
I wouldn't try to get a handle on these. Pay off your other debt, stock cash, but I would not touch your student loans until they get all this worked out because my well-placed insider tells me like, look, they're going to be screwing around with this. If they lose over here, which we all think they will, on the Supreme Court side, they're immediately going to fix that elsewhere. So that's one thing, kind of a prediction for 2023 um, and what's going to happen with the student loans. I know that only affects a few of you. Um, so that's that. Any comments, any thoughts there, Dominic? No, none whatsoever. You've been saying this, you've been talking about this subject for a while, like, I mean, and in, in predicting it. And so far, virtually everything you've predicted, I think, has come out to be the case. So it's just... It's an interesting topic. We'll see how it all sorts out. And it sounds like they have a plan B. So that's kind of interesting to know as well. Yeah. And it becomes, it's interesting because if you're a person, you know, when you think about college, look, there's a direct correlation. We're going to move off college in just one second, but there is a direct correlation between the ultimate cost of college and how it began to spike at double the rate of inflation years ago. And the day the Department of Education was founded and student loans became available. So they really like the ease of student loans. And right now you can borrow those loans without limits. And you can basically, unless you've had multiple bankruptcy, they're going to give you an unlimited amount of federal cash to go for you or your student to go to school, which is part of, I mean, we could argue whether it's good for society or not whether there's a net benefit, but the fact is you want to have a strategy. And if you parents listening to this, you want to have a strategy. And um, I'm actually working with Dominic's wife on um, the student loan piece. I mean, on the college piece, because that's another business that we have an interest in. So um, if you guys need information on that, reach out. But that's going to be a big deal in the news coming out. So that's one thing to pay attention to is what happens. And again, my prediction is that the Supreme Court's going to shoot it down, and then the Biden administration is immediately going to put a year-end pause in place or something very close to that. They won't do it immediately all the way through the election. That's just a little too blatant and obvious, but they'll give another extension, and then they'll give another one, and somehow it'll magically you'll have to start paying your loans right after the election. <laughs> um Let's talk about being in a recession. Dominic, what happened to you when you were in 2007, 8, 9? Like, how did that impact you? I don't even remember where you were working then. Uh, so at that time, I was working for a Fortune 500 company, um, working with like mid-sized businesses and uh, do, I worked for a payroll company. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, it was definitely an interesting time because the amount of tightening up of finances, right? So the, just a lot of companies going, we know we need this, but on on a number of fronts. Now, because we were in a somewhat recession, not recession proof in the sense that people losing jobs lowers the amount of people that are on payroll, but those the, the market that I was in, which was the larger companies, typically still had to run their payroll. Like they still had a payroll. They might've gone from 500 employees to 400 employees, but they still had a payroll to run. So we were in pretty good shape from landing deals, but it was definitely a much more like a prolonged process to get anybody to, to make decisions is the thing that stands out to me though. We, we ended up doing pretty well through that time period, but it just was a lot more work. Yeah, it was. So what I remember from that, first of all, we did a project in 2008 where i had i've never had this happen before i had almost a hundred percent chargebacks no. <laughs> meaning i did about a hundred thousand in revenue and within two months i had a hundred thousand dollars um so coming back. what's going on with your fan I, club I here fan club. i got <laughs> i got one person saying i'm a handsome i got somebody else agreeing with it what I'm thinking is, Dominic, you kind of look a little bit with your new hairdo. You look a little bit like Morning Joe Scarborough More, with the glasses. New hairdo? This is the same hairdo I've had for 15 years. grown out a little bit. Anyway. Or I'm usually wearing a hat. <laughs> well, that could be it also. Anyway, I'm very, I, look, I think every week we should have a discussion about my handsome guys. Yeah, I know. And Ron's turning even uh, redder than norm, no, more than his usual pink English skin. It's actually getting let, uh, more red. So there you go. So anyway, here's what, here's what I remember from that. 
by the way, I'll tell you what happened. It wasn't that the program wasn't any good. It was that we were, we were teaching a training to CPAs and of course, and tax professionals and people don't get into that field because they're, you know, they're, they're swashbuckling entrepreneurs and they all freaked out. Right. I mean, when the market dropped, everybody freaked out. And so that sucked bad for me, by the way. Um, and by the way, later when things settled down, many of them went on to come back and take the training again and talk about how awesome that was. But here's here was a really interesting thing that came out of that. And what it was is, I think Mark Twain said it best, his comment was, a banker is a fellow who will lend you his umbrella when the sun is shining and want it back the second it begins to rain. And so what I would encourage all of you guys to think about, number one is, if you have credit card money, and you've got a high balance on a credit card and you're like, look, I've got 20,000 on this credit card, I owe 18, I've got some cash, I'm gonna pay that 18 down to 12 and it'll be great because if I have an emergency come up, I can just turn around and swipe the card and get that eight back. Don't do that because what you're gonna notice, I think we're right about the beginning where you're starting to see, cause I'm looking at that, credit card debts creeping up, People are starting to fall behind on their loan payments. People are starting to fall behind on their housing payments and things like that. You're going to see the banks get nervous and they're going to start cutting those limits down. So I call it balancing down. I don't know if that's the technical name for it, but basically means you've got 20,000, you owed 18. And so now you paid it down to 12 and then they turn around and drop your limit down to 13 or 12. Right. And then you're like, what the hell just happened? So I would be, even if your balances are, you know, your interest rate is high, if you're at any risk of losing your job, I would begin to preserve cash. If you're not at risk of losing your job and you want a chance to get ahead, I would preserve your cash because the other thing I think you're also going to see is a lot of assets starting to go on sale right now. Used car prices are still crazy high. New car prices are, are crazy high. And what also happened in 2008 was the market in the S&P 500 began to go way up and it began to spike, but it was being driven by a handful of companies in the S&P 500. The majority of them had started to go down. So if you looked at the headlines, you'd be like, oh, stock market's making new highs. This is great. But if you actually studied it and realized of the S&P 500, 450 of those companies lost, went down in value last month and the month before and the month before that, it's only 50 that are driving this spike. It was easy. It was an easy call for a lot of money managers to get out of the market that were actually watching that. So, um, so I would think, number one, and we had a client, D, who perfect credit, government job, highly paid government job. He was the head of like Sandag or a water district or something crazy like that. So his job was in absolutely zero jeopardy at all with an American Express card with a $50,000 limit. Mm. And they cut his limit down to $5,000. Never laid on a payment, never anything. He just used it to kind of finance and then he'd get reimbursed for stuff. So there was a lot of that going around. If you have a home equity line of credit that is in fact your lifeline this may also be a good time to draw on that because again what a lot of people don't realize is you can have a home equity line of credit like ripped from you with no warning it's in the contract prior to 2008 i had never seen it happen in at that point i've been 18 years in financial services and it was actually a crazy dude who helps people build their credit back after bankruptcy that was the one that told it to me. I argued with him, he's like, Ron, go home and read your home equity line paperwork. I went home and I did and right there in black and white. They can cut this limit at any time they want down to zero. Now what they can't do is force you to pay back everything you do owe on the loan. But what they can do is restrict you from getting any additional paydowns or, or withdrawals or anything like that. So I don't mean to sound like the doom and gloom guy. And um, all I'm telling you is what I'm seeing is really similar to 2008 in a lot of respects. And by the way, very different in other respects. You know, 
the the bank failures that we've seen so far seem to be um relegated to a handful of banks that were just doing dumb stuff right weren't necessarily a whole system-wide bank failing you know where everybody's getting into the subprime mortgage business and stuff like that i don't know man what are your thoughts so far well i think it comes back to what we've said more than a few times which is cash is king to some to this cash is king right that's let me not equivocate that statement having cash is a good piece and i do think that when people think about paying down debt which there is there is benefit to that and uh I'll let Ron give a shameless plug because I think he's even doing a, a seminar tomorrow, like a free seminar tomorrow on on um, debt management. But uh, he can plug that in a second. But the I think I'm going to. I think I can just paste it in here. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the piece of it is, is that the what you bring up about credit is one of those things where like we can sometimes think, well, I have these credit cards. So if I absolutely needed something. I've got credit cards that I can use to pay it. Or you think I'll pay down this credit card, free up some spending there for when I need it. And that's not how those debt instruments work, really. Like ultimately, the the banks do have control of that. And so be cautious. Yes, of course, if you, you got to manage debt, you got to take care of some of those things. And and Ron and, and you know, one of our past, a few of our past guests can give you some really practical tips on that. But the reality is, is don't, lean on those things because i know when i worked in banking this is years ago uh before the recession you know we were writing home equity lines right and left you know i, I was managing an office and the, my team was just writing those things as fast as they could sign them up back in the day but i do remember you know finding out through actually I had a client i didn't know it but a client who was an attorney goes did you ever read the terms and conditions for this i was like oh yeah of course please I'm a banker and read didn't. stuff. I never read anything, but he break he is one who explained that to me, and I was like, "Wow, that's fascinating." He can't be right, is he? And he's absolutely hundred percent right. Like they can absolutely restrict your spending. I actually thought they could demand some balloon payments, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I, there, there was some the the terms for when it does convert for any outstanding balance are not usually in your favor. At least they no. weren't, um, and so it is definitely something that could go from a pretty decent situation with a nice at home equity line to a pretty bad situation with you owing a bunch of money pretty quickly is let's put it that way. But the, uh, but yeah, just being really careful and making sure that you're, 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 you've got cash on hand. And if you're thinking of doing some things, make sure that there is cash in the bank, physical, like actual cash in a money market account or a savings account or something that you can rely on rather than just your your available credit because if the things start to change as they are likely are uh then then you you've got to have cash i mean cash always will cash always plays and then we go back to i mean all the way back to season one we've talked about these also represent when even if ron is painting the the dark picture right now or, or maybe just the realistic picture of what's going on this also represents opportunities to make a lot of money so you have to just you have to know both sides of this and understand where your opportunity lies. And and, you know, if there's a prolonged ex recession coming, there are people who will make money. There are always people who make money. There are people who made tons of money through covid. There are people who made tons of money through every horrible scenario that's come out there and not necessarily because they're taking advantage of people, but they just see an opportunity and 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 seize it. Yeah, I will tell you, I will give you guys an example of that. Um, I watched a couple of dudes fight on Twitter the other day, which if you guys aren't on Twitter, Twitter's just a lot of fun. Like Instagram's nice and everybody's happy. Freaking Twitter, man, Jerry Springer show, busting chairs. And so two real estate investors were fighting over um, seller finance. So seller financing is basically, if you guys aren't familiar with this, where it's exactly what it sounds like. You either get the seller to keep the mortgage in place and you do a wrap mortgage around it where you're going to pay them whatever in addition to that. Or if the house is free and clear, the seller gives you a note, you pay them, they get an interest rate. And so these guys were, again, fighting in true Twitter style. And I think I might have even weighed in on it. Um, I might not have. I don't remember. But anyway, as a recession hit 
And if housing values start to go down, there were people in 2008, nine and 10 who got rich doing and by the way if you guys ever want to learn this i think one of the best in the game at teaching it is a guy named ron legrand i don't love him because his name's ron but it's because he is an og real estate investor going back to the 80s he's in his 70s now i was in a mastermind group with him but he knows he's forgotten more about real estate than anybody's remembered but here's a perfect example he was going and find, and his students were going and finding people that were upside down on their mortgages. So meaning they had a house with a $500,000 mortgage that they had financed up and refinanced and refinanced and refinanced and all the craziness of the, the mid 2000s. So, and the house kept get, being worth more and more and more. And then as the house began to drop down in value, now they got a house that they owe 500 on, but it's only worth 450. Now, if you want to get rid of that house, you got a couple of options. One is you just stop paying and you get it foreclosed on or short sale, which damages your credit pretty heavily. Um, or secondly, you turn around and sell it through a realtor for four fifty, but now you got to pay the bank the fifty, plus you got to turn around and drop another thirty, you know, or forty in transfer costs, realtor commissions, all those sorts of things. Or you try to save, sell it yourself to save the money. But then that doesn't always work great because the seller knows you're selling, I mean, the buyer knows you're selling it yourself. So they just want a discount on the price. So what Ron would do and his, his groupies would come in and go, look, we'll take over this mortgage, make the payments. I guarantee you, I will make the payments. And I'm going to need 10 years. I don't know before I cash you out of this mortgage, but you can walk away from the home. I'll make the payments. And you, I'll worry about what I do from there. And yeah, a lot of people are going to say no, but enough people are like, all right, beats the other two all options. And then what Ron would do is turn around. He just picked up a house for 500,000, right? Now it's only worth 450 to a cash buyer. Mm. To a finance buyer, meaning someone that you're going to now provide, he can provide financing for, Guess what? That house is worth 525, 550, 575. And so Rahoma turned around and sell it to somebody who had lost a job in 2008 or had gone self employed. And if any of you guys have ever tried to get a mortgage when you're self employed, it is one of the biggest pains in the ass I can, I can tell you about. Um, but, and so those guys turned around and cleaned up because what they would do is sell it to people that had cash but couldn't necessarily get a bank loan and were willing to pay more for it. So that's just one example of how opportunity worked. You know, now what's another way? Well, if you had the cash, you can go in and start scooping up what had been $600,000 houses for four, four fifty, three seventy-five, dollars rent them out and then just wait for the market to recover. But the point is, you can leverage brains, not just money. Right. He might buy those houses for a couple thousand out of pocket to give the seller something to move out with and another couple thousand in advertising money to get a bunch of people to come and look at a house with owner financing. And again, there's obviously more to it than this. But the point is, it's one way that people got rich. A lot of my clients who had cash in their cash value life insurance policies who, again, those don't, the ones we use don't drop in value. We could use some of the cash from that to buy into the markets after the markets have dropped 20, 30, 40%, pick up stocks at a discount and turn around and wait. So that is, again, if you keep your eyes open and don't just believe the media for all lines come anyways, and, and look and be like, right, people are losing their jobs, but where's the opportunity here? you can do a lot of you can advance your family very quickly during a time and even if you run a brick and mortar business if you get crazy and start offering terms and keep advertising when your clients have kind of picked up their their chips and gone home like like dominic like you said your your guy forget who it is that talked about people bowling with the bumpers up yep. for a long time now those bumpers have come down but what it means is, hey, your competition may have thrown a couple gutter balls and they're like, that's it, I'm out. 
see you guys later. I'm packing up and I'm going home and you might be able to sweep up that space. Absolutely. We saw a lot of that, you know, through the COVID situation. So I've always been, you know, or have been for the last few years, pretty tight in the marketing industry, right? Just dealing with digital marketer and some of those other companies we had on uh, Marcus Murphy last week, used to be one of their executives. Um, Great guest, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to the show. Can I interrupt for a second? If you guys haven't been going back and listening to the back episodes, we've had some great guests. Howard Berg, I've used so many things. He's the world's legit fastest reader, which was like two or three weeks ago. He, he, Dominic, I've used so much stuff that he's teaching, and we actually reached out to him and are forming a partnership with him now. Marcus Murphy, who was on last week, was great. Um, and, and like kind of inspirational almost. Yeah. Howard wasn't inspirational. No. But Howard was really smart and taught a lot about how to speed up your learning and, and your memory and stuff like that. But anyway, back to you. Yeah, so it, it, kind of under the idea of the, when you were talking about the acquisitions of businesses and stuff, I saw a lot of that in the marketing industry where, you know, people, this was their, you know, the, starting a marketing agency is really not that difficult. Uh, making money at it is a whole nother yeah, ballgame. Keeping it going and making money is the, is the catch, right? Right. But these people would have a client base. They would have some people that they were doing some work with and, and you could acquire these things pretty cheaply. And, and that's going to continue to happen is, is that your competitors, I mean, keep an eye, like, I forget what the three are, but the, there's the, like that, that uh, opportunity for like, what are the growth opportunities? Well, you can, you can obviously bring in more clients for your own business. You can acquire somebody else's or I forget what the third is. Like, I don't know if it's just growth of the industry or whatever. But the point is, is you can go acquisition is a great, great target. So, you know, in your business as a tax planner, I mean, you can go find somebody who's just like, I'm over it. You And it might not just be somebody who gave up, they threw their hands up because it's a recession. It might be somebody who's older and they're like this is the third one i'm done i got enough money now i'm cool i'm out and then they're willing to sell the business and they may not even ask you for money up front it might that might be another seller finance kind of deal where you're just because they'd rather be getting they'd rather have a percentage ongoing and get a you know essentially a retirement plan out of that so there there are opportunities when you work in an industry is to look if you own a business is to look through these these scenarios to be able to to make acquisitions now the key back going back to that though the key to that is have cash right so even if you did a seller finance deal for a acquisition you still need money yes well let's assume that our audience all has brains run so they already have that part well, so well no hold on though let me explain what i mean you can get back to have cash in a moment my man ron back to the recession thing was and, and, and balls, I guess, would be the other thing you'd need. They were not dropping a lot of cash on these houses. How much cash would you pay for a house that's upside down? But you're solving a problem, so you're using brains, and you're having the balls to go through and ask, realizing a lot of people are going to turn around and be like, F you, how dare you? But enough people are going to be like, I have nothing to lose, man. You know what? Why not? Okay, let's do it. Right. But Obviously, having cat, and you can do the same thing with someone. I mean, look, if any of you guys are in accounting right now, I cannot tell you how many accounts after this last tax season. Heck, <laughs> you know, once a week, I was one of them where, like, screw this, I'm out. What the hell am I even doing here? <laughs> you know, check my bank balance. I have enough to retire in the Mohammeds. Oh, all right, I got to go back to work. Now, four and a half days out of five, that's not it. We love that. But, but the government dropped a ton of new rules that you know again you may find that if you're in that space or any space where the government's tweaking regulations that the ogs are just like i'm out i don't want to do this anymore so you may pick up a business with seller financing and a three-year note or something like that though you still need the cash because just from personal experience you probably still have 20 grand worth of legal fees just to get the deal done so it's just an important aspect to while you may go zero cash down to acquire a business there's often some other things that you're going to need to do and you might need to start off some marketing you may need to hop on a plane to go visit some of their critical clients i mean there's still cash involved with even a zero dollar down acquisition um, that you better have that cash on hand or the ability to get that cash pretty quickly. But again, not a reason not to do it. It's just using that the brains using for the the opportunity to look at 
what are my what are the opportunities here? Who's going to who who could win? How can I win through this situation? Who might be bailing out that has a good book of business, et cetera, et cetera. All of that just requires some time just to sit down and 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 also kind of goes back not to repeat a theme again. But one of our other themes is have a good group of people around you, have some good advisors, have somebody who's a, a mortgage person. We brought that we brought on Matt Shanley and who's a credible guy on the mortgage side of things. And it's not just mortgages, it's kind of lending in general. He's expert on uh, we, you know, have a have somebody who you know, a legal advisor, somebody, you know, who can help you with some of that stuff, get Ron on the financial tax side of things, right? Those just get your advisors around you. And then collectively, you can come up with some ideas of how you can weather this next storm, which is definitely coming. Yeah, it's there. While we're while we're chatting about that, at some point, we got to at least discuss the fact that the Pentagon had a uh, another three, they, they failed five audits in a row. And then another $3 billion error yesterday. (laughs) Whoops. Our bad. Uh, Sorry, guys. Yeah, $3 billion. And to give you guys some idea of the amount, because I always like to do this, because it's like, what does that even mean? Like, what is $3 billion? So here's what it means. If you spent a dollar a second, every second out of the day, 24-7, you would spend, you know, one two, three, four, spend $86,400 in a day. That's how many seconds there are in a day. In a year, you would spend 31.5 million. It would take you 95 years at that burn rate to spend the $3 billion that the Pentagon lost to get. So my proposal, by the way, we'll get to some tips on this in a second, but my proposal is those 87,000 IRS auditors the Pentagon's lost a couple trillion dollars. So if you're really going to hire them, the very first place I would spend every single one of them is over to the Pentagon and find out where that 1.7, where that 3 billion went. And I suppose execute might be a little harsh, but, but summarily fire and keep as far away from anything related to money, anyone related to anything, pensions forfeited, all of that, because that's just ridiculous. Meanwhile, yeah, let's go get 87,000 IRS auditors because if your grandma knits sweaters on Etsy and wants to sell them and God help her, if she makes more than $601, the IRS is going to be upper drunk trying to figure out if she's avoiding taxes on that. Lisa, 95 years to find $3 billion. By the way, at that same burn rate, because their last audit, they lost $1.7 trillion that they just couldn't account for. At their last audit, $1.7 trillion to spend $1 trillion at the same burn rate, a dollar a second, 24-7, it would take you 29,000 years before Jesus walked the earth to spend that kind of money and finish up and have your trillion hit today so when they're throwing these numbers around there's some real stuff when they're like oh we need to crack the debt limit you know and uh you got to get let us raise the the i think they want to raise the debt ceiling by another four eight trillion i mean that's real money and you all like i'm not telling you what to do or think about it all i'm saying is you need to realize just how much money that is i think um, the other part of it is is it costs a half a billion dollars every time they do the audit over half a billion i think it's like 700 million dollars or something for every audit so you know well, and then there's expense to that if i was in charge there would have been one audit that they failed and we would have figured it out so that nobody over there ever failed an audit again um because that's just ridiculous you and i are not allowed to get get away with that right you know they think we overstated our meal deductions by a hundred bucks they're going to want that money back and meanwhile it's like well it's just 1.7 trillion dollars it's nothing so anyway you guys all know how i feel about taxes (laughs) and um anyway so i didn't even know it was 700 million for the audit that seems ridiculous 700 million for an audit i'd fire those people too be like really guys 700 million all right wait i'm double checking fact checking my number i apologize i'm a little over it's 428 million 
Oh, well, never mind. Sorry. You know what? That's completely within the realm of reasonable. Uh, let me look. But I thought it was over that. Know, I'll have to double check my number. But that 420 for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I was right. $428 million in auditing costs and $472 million to fix the issues the audit caused. You know what? You shoot everyone. I was pretty sure I was right on that number. The money. Yeah. Oh, Dominic, I have to go to church twice a week because I have a lot of hate in my heart for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's helping, but I'm not really sure. Uh, um. So let me tell you guys something. Yeah, taxes are going to continue to be ridiculous. Um, we've given you guys the the formula, which is oh, and by the way, Dominic mentioned a plug for a free class I'm doing tomorrow. Just go look at my stories; the links over there. I'm actually having a former guest on the show, D. Mark Wilburn, who's a trader, um, trader T R A D E R, not T R. A-I-T-O-R, trader, like trading. And um, he's going to be, we're just going to be going over some basics of mortgage, some tax ideas. And then he's going to be talking about some trading ideas if you want to take a little more control of your finances in a crazy economy. Now, one of, and again, you can just find the link on my stories. But um, once the show's over, stories aren't going anywhere. They'll be up for a while. So once the show's over, you can go find that. Don't you guys leave now. Um, one of the things to think about is what are you doing if you do lose your job? This is a great time to start your side hustle if you've been thinking about it. Again, you're going to have less competition because if people are reading the news, they're going to be scared and convinced it's terrible. And I mean, let me give you a perfect example. It's going back to the, uh, I think the 90s. I'm from LA originally. Dominic, I think you're from down here, but you live up there. I'm from up there and I live down in San Diego area now. But if you read the news somewhere back in there, you would be convinced that if you drove, if you ventured outside your house in LA, drive-by shooters were going to start shooting at you the minute you stepped (laughs) one foot outside the door. And the reality is, look, there was some problems with people getting shot driving down the road, but they were in very, like, if you were from LA, you were like, yeah, man, it's that part of town. You just, you know, better than to stay there. Like if you guys saw training day, you know, kind of the hood where Denzel Washington was, that's the area you got to stay away from because you got some rival gangs doing some stuff. It wasn't like you were necessarily a rando walking down the freeway, you know, driving down the freeway and somebody would point a gun at you. So it's the same kind of like the media really amplifies stuff. And I'm not going to say that it's not bad out there, but just keep in mind that they make it sound so doom and gloom. And there's always opportunity, always. Now, one of the things that I want to point out to you guys is you, Kiplinger's just came out with an article that, that proved what I've been saying for years, which is that the average retiree pays far more in taxes and is in a much higher tax bracket than they thought they were. They're still in that 22 or 24% bracket, which is where most of America sits right now. And so there isn't necessarily a huge advantage to loading up your 401ks because you're cutting off access to the money. If you lose your job and need to get at that money, you've not only got to pay the tax on it, but you've got to pay a 10% additional penalty above and beyond. So it it negates any savings that you would have gotten. So we want to be a little bit careful on that one. And if your job isn't in jeopardy, we want to make sure that you've got accounts outside of those 401ks. But here's where the opportunity lies. You may be eligible to make a low tax conversion to a Roth IRA from your traditional IRA. So you'll pay the tax on it. And again, it may not be ideal. You'll need some other cash, but now that money, you don't pay the penalty. And now that money can grow tax-free forever and ever, amen. And you can use it tax-free and your kids get it tax-free. And so that's something to think about. And where this struck me was, we had a client show up yesterday. He's been a client for 25 years. He's going to turn 72 this year. And I think his wife's 77, 78. You all right over there, Brownie? 
okay, so there was a spider. If you guys heard that, there was a spider. Mark. Oh, a lizard came out. All right. Nobody died. Everybody's good. Did you guys even hear that, Dominic? Oh, okay. Yeah. I have the voice isolation on. Good. It's working. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, all right. Hey, keep it down. We're recording over here. Anyway, so so what happened is him and his wife, we were looking at their tax returns because they just put uh, Tesla solar panels in their house. Their taxes for the last three years running have been zero. That didn't happen by accident. That was consciously crafted. Now, they're not spending much money in retirement. They're, they're fine on pensions and Social Security because we optimize that. But the point is they paid zero taxes for the last three years. Now they're going to get a big solar credit that isn't going to do them any good except it is because what we're going to do is calculate the exact amount that they can withdraw from their remaining traditional IRAs, offset the tax. So they're still at zero, but now that money is going to go over into Roth IRAs. And the beauty is their two girls are making good money. And the problem with inheriting an IRA is you usually inherit it in your peak years and you have to withdraw that money over 10 years and it all goes at your top tax rate. So, Again, we don't want to see anybody on this lose their job. But if you do, or if you might, it's worth having a conversation with a professional to figure out what you can do to make the best of that. It's a good time to get your business started. It's a good time to look at maybe converting to take advantage of some of those lower tax brackets rather than letting it just slip away. So again, crisis opportunity. Um, Dominic, did you have anything to say? If not, I wanted to kind of wrap up with you giving them some tips on, um, oh, and by the way, let me just close with this piece of this. The number one tax shelter to this day is not a Roth IRA. Cash value life insurance is closed. It's owning your own business, whether it's a small one and home base or the other one, because that's who they wrote all the tax credits for. By the way, if you guys are just tuning in, this is the Make More, Keep More show. It is a one-hour podcast that we do every Friday, except for the Fridays we don't, at 8 a.m. Pacific. I'm your host, Ron Carruthers. My co-host here, Partner in Crime, is my longest living friend that I actually hang out with, Dominic Cummins. He's at Real Biz Advisors. And, um, dude, we've known each other like 33 years. Yeah. Damn, you're getting old. Yeah. Yeah. What does I say about you? <laughs> yep. But we, uh, we've known each other a long time. And, and for the first time in those 33 years, we're going to go on vacation together next month. And let's see how the friendship survives we'll that. What do you think? So by the way, if you guys want to catch out back episodes, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, make more, keep more show or make more, keep more show.com. So just check those out. We've had some really good guests this season. Dominic, if people are losing, I don't know if you have anything else you want to chat about, but if you don't, you gave some really good tips a few weeks ago about like getting your getting your resume seen through the search engines, through the AI, through our robot overlords that are soon going to murder us, just like in the Matrix. Yes. And, um, you know, by the way, if you guys haven't seen the big short in a long time, definitely worth go checking out. If you guys have not seen V for Vendetta, definitely worth checking out. And the AI stuff has got me feeling Matrix. So that's your um, that's your kind of trilogy of movies for the weekend. V, what do you what do you got to say about? Um, you want to give me some tips on the other stuff? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll come back to the resume in a second. But well, so funny enough, my, one guy that I know, uh, he's big techie guy, runs a lot of like he's like the tech behind a lot of marketing you see out there, which actually a lot of times people think marketing is all the pretty pictures and all the stuff. The actual part of marketing is all the targeting and the, 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 the automation and everything that goes behind yeah. it. And the guy, one of the guys that I know, he goes, does anybody else say thank you to the AI when they're, because he's like talking about like giving commands to chat GPT and all that stuff. And he's like, I always say thank you because when they inevitably take over the world, I want to be seen as one of the good ones. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> that was a funny LinkedIn post. But 
Um, yeah, so I'll take, so I'll come, let me, I'll come back to the resumes and give a quick synopsis on that if you're looking for another job. But I will say that this is the opportunity when, if you do lose your job or you've decided to quit because you're over it and you think about getting another job, this is a really great opportunity to start something. And, and I know that it can sometimes seem that way where you go, well, but I, well, I'm going to start it right before a recession or right before everything it, I'll tell you the amount and Ron, I don't know if you've had this experience as well, but the amount of people that I talk to who who are running a really good business where their story starts with. So, yeah, we started this business and then crazy enough, six weeks later or two weeks later was 9-11 or I started this business and then holy crap, it was the Great Recession of 2009 or I started my business COVID. and it was right before COVID. I did that. We started another business in October of 20, when did COVID hit? Uh, October of 2019, we started another business. And then, you know, a couple months later, and then we crushed it that first year and, and actually crushed it till we closed down that business. But I mean, uh, just cause I didn't want to do that business anymore, not because right. it wasn't doing well. Right it down and it was just like yeah it's not really what i want to be doing yeah there. i had kind of lost my personal enjoyment of it but it was still like really profitable and, and doing well and so i think you you when you guys when you when you look at this look at this opportunity not as something th this is when things can happen really really well and for the reasons that we talked about you could take over somebody else's business that's just over it uh you could um you know, just start your hustle. We've talked about in past episodes. I wish I knew which one, but uh, years ago when I, I had to, to, when I was leaving a company, we were, we were in the process of exiting the company and then, uh, you know, like selling the company. And, um, and so I was off for a little while and like, what am I going to do? And I'm going to start another business. And we knew a guy who was selling stuff on eBay. He since, uh, passed but he was sharing the stuff with me and I'm like, really, it's that easy. And he was like, yeah, man. And he would just go to garage sales on a weekend. He'd go to like, he'd go to these or occasionally do an auction or something. So then I found all these listings for online auctions, like where you can just buy the stuff online. Cause you know, I don't really like talking to people. So if I can order stuff online, have it sent to me. And like, I would kill it on the most random things. And we were bringing in a few thousand dollars a month. And it was just me sitting in a computer listing, taking pictures of stuff and listing it. And I know that doesn't sound sexy. And I know that doesn't sound like an exciting business. But you know what? A few grand a month is a few grand a month, right? Like, and it's, it was pretty easy. Like, I'll give you a couple of examples. I found this auction just as a, just, just to give you guys an idea of like how you turn a side hustle into a main hustle or how you, how you can just make some money if you're stressed about stuff. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this idea a lot too, is the eBay thing. But I bought uh, some stuff at an auction. You can find all these, like your local area will have some form of like business auction type of things. Their businesses go out of out of business, right? And, and that's going to happen a lot right now. Well, they need to sell all those assets for bankruptcy court or whatever. And they sell them at auctions and stuff goes dirt cheap. I bought a, there was an, an or, or they have a flood. This example was a flood at a warehouse. And I bought all these, you know, the brand Kelty makes like camping gear and now, well, some of you guys will know it. They make like camping gear and, and tactical gear. Let me ask you a question, Jen. What is the, for not you, but the audience, what is the fascination with working hard so you can pretend you're homeless for a week of your vacation? Like, I just don't get it. <laughs> You know, some you know, people so enjoy no, it. Is. I don't want to know what Kelsey is. Well, they're a brand for my story. They're, they're a brand that does like tactical <laughs> gear, military gear. They do a bunch of stuff. So I got I got a whole oh, well, box. Hold on a second. Yeah, there you go. Stuff up and shoot stuff. That's a different story. And uh, I bought a box of these. I think there were 70 backpacks in the box, if I remember correctly. And I bought the whole box for like 100 bucks. And oh, nice. I sold them for 70 bucks a piece. Nice. sold them all out i still have one actually I used it yesterday uh, nice. i kept one back i bought a bunch of photograph paper cases and cases and cases of photograph paper for i think all in i paid 11 dollars for it and i've sold them for i think 15 dollars a pack so just the most random in my there was like five reams of paper per box and i had 11 boxes or so i mean it was just nuts and i'm just giving you guys an idea like don't you, there are opportunities to make money again i know selling stuff on ebay doesn't sound like the most 
you know, like that's not, you go tell your, you know, future, you know, you're at the bar. What do you do for work? I sell stuff on eBay. Probably not. A, yeah. I don't know. I haven't dated in so long. Maybe that is a I'm good a merchandiser. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm a merchandiser. I'm a wholesale merchandiser. Dude, I've got some tax clients, guys. I've got tax clients, can't name names that you may or may not know, but they have tax problems from all the money they make doing that. So don't, Again, it's an idea that may not be sexy, but it's it. There's money in it. Yep. Keep going, man. So that that's where I would say part of it is just the mental aspect of it. You can make money. You can get your own business. Now, talk to some of your friends though who do own businesses and find out if you're that person because I think you and I have talked about this, Ron. Marcus brought it up last week when we talked, and he said not everybody should own their own business. Let's just be honest. No, it's not everybody's jam. But for those of you who think that that could be your thing, if you're if you're approaching it this like, oh, well, I'll have all this freedom in my schedule and I can set my own schedule. I can do whatever I want, vacation whenever I want. Yeah, you probably shouldn't own a business because let me give you the stark reality of that one. But what's that old expression? I left my high paying 40 hour a week job to work for myself, work 80 hours a week and hope for to make money or whatever. There's some like <laughs> variation of that, right? So. Yours is a little more depressing. Mine is an entrepreneur is a guy who works a 12 hour day, you know, seven days a week or six days a week because he hated working an eight hour day, five days a week. There you go. Same idea. So point being hey, you is know what? if you're an entrepreneur, you would never like I could never go back to work for a firm again. Like I'd be fired yeah. first day. Um, totally ruined. So don't rush into getting a business partner, but just just ask some people like, hey, what do you think? And that leads me. My other thing is that's also a good combination of things. And I actually just use this 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 week. I've talked about it on other shows. There may, we may even have one titled do me a favor. It's the do me a favor approach. Like how do you turn or maybe the, the show was how to turn your side hustle into your main hustle. That might have been the title of the show. But here, regardless, I've talked about this idea before is ask people, hey, do you mind doing me a favor? Can I take you to lunch? I want to run an idea by you and see what you think. Now, pick accordingly to somebody who might be able to be that client, but don't just go into it to try to sell them something. Go into it with like a legitimate, hey, what do you think? So I did this this week with somebody. I was thinking about running out a, a particular type of business to a particular group of people. So I grabbed one of the guys and was like, hey, can you do me a favor? I want to run something by you. And he gave me really good feedback. He goes, I'm in, I would do it, but here's a couple of things to think about. This is this, this, and I was like, huh, good, good aspects I hadn't thought about. And so that do me a favor. Now, is he going to potentially be my first client for something like this? Yes. And then he did, he, we were uh, together yesterday and he was like talking to somebody else about like, well, Dom's thinking about doing this thing. That's all I needed was some word of mouth, right? Marketing. And that started with that do me a favor approach. So if you haven't, or if you want to, and honestly, I have a write-up on the whole, like breaks the do me a favor down. I give it to people for free because I'd rather just let you help it. If you want it, DM me, I'll get it to you. But, and promise there's no strings you attached to it. You just DM have it. Though, right? What? You have to send you like a nude photo. Oh God, please don't, don't do that. No, no, happily married. Don't, don't need that. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so anyway, th that's, that's one thing. If you are the type who goes, uh, no, you guys, please, will you guys please flood Dominic. Oh, I'm going to shut my, and that will, that will be the prompt into the, the make the more, keep more the, show. The worse, the better, by the way. Oh, gosh, so gross. So, uh, the other part though, if you're like, Hey man, I'm moaning my own business is not for me. We talked about it a few weeks ago, actually. Um, I can get you that date when we did that real quick. Cause so I, we did two back-to-back -back weeks, April 10th and April 17th. So just a few weeks ago, I did back-to-back -back shows on how to get a job or good candidates in this tough market and then interview yeah, like a pro. Really in there go in there if you are if you are part of this and we feel i feel for you because i've been there it's not easy um i've also been on the other side where i've been the one to downsize a bunch of employees uh for major corporations so i apologize for what you have to go through uh there are some realistic tips in there about how to write your resume do it in a way that gets around some of the ai because understand most companies now are using some form of ai tool to do most of their stuff and so uh uh, career builder, all those zoom. Um, oh gosh. Uh, oh, I just forgot the name of it. it starts with indeed, indeed all those ones. Uh, what's the big one that advertises everywhere. I can't think of that. Anyway, point being, if you don't follow some of those rules, you're just going to get lost in their AI hell. Um, and you will look just like 
everybody else's resume and you just you got to you got to put some work into it but you can find a job there are a lot of employers the interesting thing about this is you know when the taco bell down the street here was paying 18 or 20 dollars an hour to people um that is an indication that people are desperate to find good talent um, and it may be an opportunity for you to switch careers uh, i talked to somebody yesterday who was talking about the fact he's like i'm i'm, I'm ready to in- reinvent myself so yeah, you can't, you can't, you, you might have had uh, experience in one particular industry, but find some adjacent industries that could use some of that same help and reinvent yourself. Use this as an opportunity, which again, comes back to that like mental attitude about all of this stuff and not, not being run down by it. You made some good points there, D. I like how you got the plug in for the back shows. That's excellent. But seriously, if you guys are in that position, definitely go back and check those out because we have, we ran two weeks in a row just talking about it. So what else do we got to talk about, man? We got four more minutes for the top of the hour. We can let them out of class early. Today. Yeah, I mean, we can talk football season, basketball season. No. Uh, What's Lake- going on? I haven't paid any attention. Lakers, Lakers. lost. Lakers. Wait, did, but they beat, beat Golden State, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um oh alex it's make more keep more show um he's asking the name of the podcast and so you can catch the back episodes at make more keep more show.com or apple or spotify or google any major yeah google we posted on dominic's the editor and poster of all of this but by the way the the recording i gotta give you credit it sounds really good yeah Um, it's actually i music intro you know i found out because last week we couldn't run it through my little recording system here and i found out that instagram has this weird thing where we sometimes our voices step on each other Uh, it's obviously not something we're doing i don't know what's happening there but i googled it could not find an answer why you and i sound like we're talking over each other so if you got too much of that in any episode the audio recording is actually recorded before it goes to instagram so it's a much cleaner audio version if you listen to the podcast those usually unless I get crazy busy drop on Monday morning and next season, we're probably going to get some help with that. So it'll be really regular, but nice. it's uh, it's exciting hey, stuff. So, so here's what we're going to do. Just, I want to give you guys a preview. First of all, Dominic, I've got a guy who is, I've got clients that we're going to, we're going to recruit. One is a guy who's made a living, left his job, making, doing flipping and training flipping like how do you find this stuff how do you press so we're gonna grab him we've got uh bees we're gonna get bees on um bees does a lot of DeFi as well as government contracting like how do you get an actual government contracting job so we got some exciting stuff we are we are back next week correct dominic uh we were not going to announce whether we are or not until we talk about it but yes i think we're back next week yeah yeah right before the holiday so let's see what we covered today it gets literally out there stack your cash pay attention to your taxes um don't be like the pentagon and lose three trillion three billion dollars without even uh noticing it <laughs> yeah and a 700 million dollar audit to go figure out that they lost the three million i don't think they the three billion i don't think they found on that it was the 700 million dollar audit to find the 1.7 trillion dollars that they lost We talked a little bit about student loans and the pause and what my predictions were. Um, And so we'll see where that goes. I don't know if there's any other major Supreme Court cases that are coming out that I felt like leaning in on. Did you guys see, oh, by the way, one last thing, if you guys didn't notice it, um, Justices Kagan and Sotomayor got a little cat fight yesterday. And of course they hate it that they call it a cat fight. Um, but Kagan had some, Sotomayor wrote a majority decision. It was on the Andy Warhol case, like a copyright Mm -hmm. law. And it's funny because Brennan's going to, my son's going to law school and he's telling me copyright and infringement law is absolutely the most insane thing ever. He's like, it's the hardest piece of law. It's, you know, torts, contracts, all sorts of things are really easy. It's like contract law and Fair, what, what constitutes fair rights use, what constitutes, like, all of those things will make anyone crazy. So it was kind of hilarious. If you guys haven't seen that, go find it, because the snarky comments that Kagan made to Sotomayor in writing the minority decision were, in fact, kind of hilarious. 
especially knowing that usually I think all the Supreme Court justices are pretty good friends on the side, you know, regardless of even where they lean politically, although those two are definitely liberal justices. It was hilarious. I think Kagan's kind of funny. I still liked her comment from years ago when they asked her where she was on Christmas. And her comment was probably eating Chinese in Manhattan because that's what all Jews do on Christmas. I thought that was hilarious. That's pretty funny. So anyway, Dominic, you got any closing words? Uh, I don't think so. Not that we'll start another discussion or flame outs in the show.com, Apple, Spotify, Google, make more keep our show. If you guys are thinking you might lose your job, go back and um, check out those episodes from April. Check out Howard's episode. If you missed it on the world's fastest reader, Dr. Brown, have a great weekend. If you guys miss Marcus, Marcus was awesome. And um, we will be back next week doing it again. Same bad time, same bad channel. And then don't forget to check my stories out for um, the class we're doing tomorrow morning. Free class. Talk about mortgages. Have my buddy Mark on, former guest on the show. And um, Season we'll one. In April of season one, we did one called Starting Your Side Hustle. So if you don't want to get another job, if you've lost your job and you've thought about starting your side hustle, we did an hour and five minutes and 39 seconds on Starting Your Side Hustle. So Well, there you there you go. It was so good. We went over by five minutes and 39 seconds. And we're going over today. I got to go because I got to clean up and get down to the office. So we appreciate having you guys. D, good seeing you. See you too. Next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody.